Do you like data? Well, I've got some data for you. The best data in the world of football for week 11 will be provided on this stream. And oh Lord, a lot of graphics, a lot of production, a lot of things are going to help you win some money in week 11 of fantasy football. So let's waste no time and let's get right to that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by you guys in the chat, you guys watching after the fact, you guys hopefully hitting the like button, leaving a comment down below. Please subscribe to the channel Mondays through Thursdays. We're going to have new content at 2 p.m. every day, Monday and Thursday. That'll be showdown lineup builds Tuesday and Wednesdays, the panic rankings, the fantasy football data show, and then Friday, of course, the main event, the thing I prepare all week for to go head-to-head -head with my pal Pete Overs at so please subscribe, please like the video, please leave a comment down below. But I got to live up to the billing here, guys. I'm going to get right into this one right away because, frankly, this is a lot of work. I prepared a lot of graphics, pulled all the data in advance, so we're not going to do the Excel thing. We are, in fact, going to go here right to the screen. Week 11 stats that matter, and it starts with the Tennessee Titans. Green Bay allows 5.2 adjusted line yards per rush and a 48%, or excuse me, a 46% rush success rate. My, my blindness, my lack of vision is going to be a real problem for these graphics today. Either way, though, this is a spot where going to Thursday night football, Derrick Henry, to me, looks like a great play. Obviously, he's going to look like a great play to a lot of the field. I believe 77% expected ownership for him today, according to the stochastic projections. But this spot feels like one where Derrick Henry, it's hard to imagine him busting, but barring a game script that completely gets away from what he could do best. But overall, I think to me, Derrick Henry, a strong showdown play, strong potential captain, certainly a guy that can have some game script risk. And that's one thing to keep in mind with all these data points as well. Like I'm giving you guys the data, again, combing football outsiders, combing PFF, combing sports football solutions, pro football reference, everything out there that's credible. But ultimately, guys are just going to do what they do. Like Cortland Sutton was in a fantastic matchup against Tennessee, a team that suffers against the deep ball. But ultimately, he didn't get a whole lot done in that game because it just didn't go his way. Jalen Virgil got the long touchdown Cortland Sutton a few nice catches in that game not enough to get through but still enough to uh, to be useful theoretically it's one of those things where sometimes the data will say one thing you hope it leads to a smash spot but then sometimes it doesn't so keep that in mind Shout out to Stephen Levitz again. Shout out to the chat as well. All you guys here hanging out with me, whether you are live or after the fact, I appreciate it a bunch because this is going to be a production haul. Here's the other data point for this Thursday night football game, though. Green Bay, Tennessee allows a league high 1.3 EPA on passes of 20 plus yards. You're going to see a lot of these EPA numbers, about 20 plus yard attempts. EPA, of course, estimated points added that comes from the opposing defense or I guess from the players as well on offense. But this is just a reflection of the matchups. That's what I'm focusing in on here with all these data points. 13.5% TD rate on deep throws as well so with what we just saw from christian watson last week the matchup does make sense again for him to have that outlier game where he did have all those deep touchdowns going against the cowboys the cowboys are a good defense tennessee is not a good defense so this is definitely one of those situations overall that you have to exercise some some caution some tempered enthusiasm for christian watson but either he or alan lazard i think will be potential showdown winning captains in that spot shout out to jason only true supporters click off swole cast to join the splash play brothers that's true and i fully support anybody here if you want to watch all pete's content more power to you come hang out with me after the real rider dies we're here right now it is certainly fought, filed away in my brain as somebody that uh, you are somebody i like <laughs> which is not a lot about there in the world 
Next game up, though, we got the Eagles. And this is for the Sunday main slate, of course, of Week 11. Splash is better than Swole's. I don't know. Look, Swolecast has been doing it for so long. I don't want to take that credit away from anybody. But shout out to Frederick. Shout out to Ivan as well. Philadelphia Eagles. So Indianapolis is minus one point, uh, 0.158 rushing EPA. is one of the best marks in the league. They do allow a 23.2% DVOA boost to wide receiver ones. That, to me, screams A.J. Brown. You can see there's a wry face of his. I'll even go full screen for A.J. Brown on this one. Look at that guy. That's a man who looks primed to break out. I think, too, you combine that with the fact that on Monday night, he was a non-factor also coming off the injury. Certainly, you know, in that game, didn't look the best overall. But you got to assume with a few days of recovery, a matchup really where it should be tougher to run the ball. The Eagles were so good at it, they can get it done regardless. But I think in this spot, it does jump out to me that A.J. Brown could have one of those outlier days. It's a pretty big DVOA boost. And we know with A.J. Brown, when he takes advantage of a matchup in a meaningful way, it sometimes can mean absolute destruction for you playing DFS, but also for the opposing team. Um, no, which three should I start? Terry, Amon, Rob, Pittman, or Gabe Davis? I, Eric, I don't really, this is not the point of the show, but I do try to answer everybody's questions. Uh, I would probably go Amon, Ra, St. Brown, but none of them are really stellar plays in a way that I care about at this point of the week, to be honest. Um, all right, let's keep it going here. The other side of this game, we do have the Colts. And boom, boom, boom. Here we go. You can see on the screen, the Eagles D shuts down the pass. There was something that we talked about in the Monday showdown uh, video that I did. Of course, the Eagles defense overall pretty good. But against the run, they show some weaknesses. A minus 26% passing DVOA drop to opposing teams. They do allow a 48% rushing success rate and an 86% power run success rate. What we saw from that first game of Jeff Saturday, a real commitment to Jonathan Taylor on the ground. Him getting over 25 touches in that game, certainly a positive thing. It seems like in the spot, people might fade Jonathan Taylor because because it is a match against the Eagles. We know the Eagles can certainly put the Colts in some tough game scripts. But overall, I think this could be one where Jonathan Taylor actually has some sneaky value. People do occasionally move away from teams just because they're afraid of the onslaught, afraid of the Eagles absolutely running away with this one. But I think if you pair Jonathan Taylor with A.J. Brown, you could have some unique teams that actually have some pretty good data points to go to as reasons to be there. Got the Jets coming up next year. Michael Carter on the year, 27% avoided tackle rate. He's going against New England's lofty 8.5% missed tackle rate. This is one of the things that I try to identify every single week is where here's a team's strength. Here's a team opposing team's weaknesses. That's something where you can start to hopefully put together the, uh, you know, the, configurations of what could lead to a ceiling day. That doesn't mean it's necessarily the case. It doesn't mean that Michael Carter is going to miss all these tackles in this particular game, but New England is not tackling well. Certainly a team that historically you'd expect has had a lot more success, a lot more discipline, but this is a spot to me where Michael Carter has been getting the workload. Michael Carter, not going to be a popular play by any stretch, but certainly a guy that I think can actually have some upside against a Patriots team that overall is not that good. Oh, there we go. Pete just picked the D Jones and Barkley stack. <laughs> They're all on tilt. I mean, you know, Pete's a really galaxy braining every play, and I think it's been fun to watch that process for him. And also, I'm sure fun for people playing against him when he does <laughs> do those Daniel Jones uh, stacks with their running backs. The Patriots, though, on their side. So the Jets overall, um, this is one stat that I've talked about in the past. Past deflection rate is a crucial one because it shows you how frequently these guys are around the ball, shows you how frequently they're actually able to get a hand on the ball and maybe do something with it. So you see Mac Jones, who does uh, attempt over four and a half deep passes per game. If the Jets can get to that ball again with a 27.3% pass deflection rate on deep balls, they also allow the rate at a pretty high level, 7.5% rate. There's some volatility that can go against them. Maybe Mac Jones does have success. But I think this makes the Jets D a pretty live play. You combine that with what we just talked about with Michael Carter. Play Jets D with Michael Carter and maybe have a chance to actually spike an upside day. And one that people won't be on very much because it is a low total game and AFC East potential slog. And that's where you can potentially find some value with these data points that I'm talking about here. 
this production part, guys, is really the hard part. Like I, I know all this information like the back of my hand, but clicking all the different graphics and I'm gonna have to actually upload some as we go because StreamYard doesn't allow you to put in, I guess, fucking 25 graphics at once. So there's some things to figure out here on the production side, but hopefully you guys appreciate the effort here. Me doing this live, this could be, this could be a lot easier than edited video, to be honest, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. The Bears though, Justin Fields is on the thumbnail. Justin Fields has been going off the last few weeks. I don't think this is a week's move away from Justin Fields based on the data. The Atlanta Falcons allowing high success rates across the board, a 49.4% overall success rate, 51.6% drop back success rate, 46.1% rushing success rate. This is everything. This is everything. The Falcons just give up a ton of production across the board. That means that Justin Fields, a guy who does everything for his team, is going to be in a good spot. You're also going to see some concentration, at least with the running backs, theoretically, Khalil Herbert on the IR now for at least a month. So we'll see how that goes for them. But it seems like David Montgomery should get some work, maybe Tristan. The number behind him works in. I don't, I'm not really sure how they're going to handle that one. The assumption, though, is going to be that David Montgomery gets a lot of play in that one. So I think overall, to me, Justin Fields looks great, but you can talk me into Montgomery. You could talk me into Darnell Mooney. You could even talk me into Chase Claypool. Cole Komet certainly going to be obvious, though. I think maybe a little bit too obvious. The Bears, though, are a key team to build around this week, and I see no reason to poke holes in them. And sometimes that's one of these things that we run into with like the Tony Pollards of the world. You do want to see guys in good spots to be chalk. You don't want to see guys in bad spots be chalk. That's why I was willing to play no Damian Pierce and was forcing in a lot of Saquon Barkley. You want to get the guys in the good spots. We know what those good spots are now. Justin Fields against the Falcons is objectively a good spot. For the Falcons side of things, Chicago allows a 51% drop back success rate and is also 30th in the league with a 29.6% DVOA boost to wide receiver ones. And I got to tell you, like, I want Kyle Pitts to happen sometimes. You know, if a team has a deficiency in one spot, they could see another pass catcher have the same results because, like, is Kyle Pitts the wide receiver one or is Drake London? Yeah, Kyle Pitts is more functionally a tight end, but in terms of how that offense runs, you do see some production go Kyle Pitts' way. That said, I think going to Drake London could be appealing here. It is on paper the nice spot with the wide receiver one matchup for them, but it's also just that the Bears are good enough offensively and bad enough defensively to actually provide some upside across the board. So I think going to Pitts, going to London makes sense, but London on paper looks like a really strong play and one that certainly people you know might not get to as much as a bring back with Justin Fields. If you see low ownership on Drake London, I think he's a pretty solid way to go. How will the running back touches go for Atlanta? I mean, Cordero Patterson did play a little bit less in that last game, but it was short and weak for them. So I think it's still going to be a decent split overall. I really don't have a lot of faith in either, anybody in that backfield. Tyler Algier was one of the worst backs in the league in terms of performance last week. Uh, also terrible according to DVOA last week, which bums me out because Algier has had the opportunities. Just hasn't been able to get there. But I think in this spot, to me, I'm not really worried so much about the running backs as I am. I think that the pass game actually could have some upside just because this is what the matchup is being provided. Like the Bears are going to give you a chance to get it done through the pass. The Bears are maybe a little bit better against the run. So that's where you can find a little more success. I'm hoping is with a Mario to stack with one of those guys. Next one up, we got the Rams. And this one is an important one because this is more, this is not really like a, here's a matchup based thing, but the Rams have a gigantic opportunity opened up by the fact that Cooper Cup, 43.8% of the Rams touchdowns this year, 34.2% of their total yardage. I certainly expect the Rams to just plummet down. Like, I expect them to be a terrible team moving forward. They've already been a terrible team, and that's with Cooper Cup. That said, though, if they are even basically passable, if they're mediocre even, you could find them actually be a pretty good play just because there's such production left behind by no Cooper Cup. So this is one where maybe Henderson can get there. Maybe Kyron Williams, who did start to see some work, can get there. Though no missed tackles in that game is something that worries me a little bit. Small sample size stuff, but you do want to see a guy have a little bit of shakeability. Kyron Williams has not shown that yet. But I think overall, to me, the Rams, 
not a good team, not a team you want to have a lot of faith in. But Allen Robinson can soak this up. Tyler Higby can soak this up. Henderson, one of the backs, can soak this up. There's just so much to go around that if they score any touchdowns, somebody has to do something. And I know the underdog guys were talking a little bit about maybe Ben Skronek can do some more things there. The Cooper Cup role is in play for him. I don't know if I have that faith more than I have faith in Allen Robinson. I think both guys are not the best players, but there's just so much left behind that I think it's worth taking flyers in these guys going against the Saints. Jonathan saying London could be great. It definitely has burned a lot of people. And Monty will be leaning on heavily for the Bears this week. That's the expectation, I think. But, you know, certainly there's going to be some advantage if you do try to play a different outcome. Montgomery is going to be, I think, a chalky play. If you do play the backup, if we get some sort of news inkling that Tristan Ebner actually is going to be involved, maybe he does pick up those 10 touches a game that are going to Khalil Herbert. Maybe that's a strategic thing they want to do. Hard to say concretely either way, but that's why, to me, it's important to play a lot of lineups and why sometimes in single entries, you just can kind of miss the forest from the trees with some of those situations. Situations. Uh, next game or next part of this game up, you got the Saints. And this is an interesting match for the Saints because we could see Jameis Winston coming in. It could also be an Andy Dalton start. I don't think that's been officially confirmed by the team yet. But the Rams D allows a noteworthy 0.64 EPA boost on passes of 20 plus yards and also an 18.3% decrease according to rushing DVOA. So the Rams, certainly with Aaron Donald in the middle, you would expect that. But the past game, really, the past defense for them has not been that good. There's one spot for them that I think. You might see Kamara really come back down to earth in this game in general, but especially if you have Jameis Winston there. Jameis Winston is not looking for checkdowns. It's not the game. That's not why you play Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton's been great at feeding Kamara the ball, though even that's had mixed results the last few weeks. In this situation for the Saints, I think you could see a really bad Kamara game. And if Jameis Winston ends up starting the rest of the season, I think it's a really bad spot for Kamara owners out there. Like I would not want to have him best ball right now. Would not feel that great about it. Um, here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> I love people coming in and asking their trade questions. Like we're just making YouTube content for you, Parker. Is this a good trade? I get Josh Jacobs to give Stevenson and Kirk. And then Gator is saying, keep Kirk and Stevenson. I would agree with that one. Josh Jacobs, the Raiders are running bad enough here. We're going to talk about them in a second, but things are running the wrong way for them. You don't want to invest in a running back. Who's been great this year for a team. That's going to have questionable motivations. It would be shocking to me to not see Zamir white get out there. It'd be shocking to me to see the Raiders put full for effort or, or put forth full effort rather moving forward just because what are they playing for at a certain point playing for Josh McDaniels to save his job which is going to be safe regardless I don't think that's enough to have a motivation to have Josh Jacobs out there so I think uh, Jonathan is right in the chat Parker just don't don't trade for Jacobs at this point in the season he's he's got his best days are going to be behind him I think for the most part even if he has an outlier game like the game scripture is not going to benefit him overall and the team motivations are not going to benefit him overall uh let's see where are we now we got the Lions and Giants coming up next year. So this Lions team, the Giants D forces teams into field goals at the top of the league, 23.7% rate. Detroit scores CDs 70% of their red zone trips, which is fifth in the league. This is something, too, where Detroit, we talked about in the past, one of the more aggressive teams in terms of going forward on fourth downs. It is sort of a bend but don't break situation and one where it does feel like the Lions, to me, I don't know what the upside is. I think people may go on Monroe St. Brown's way again. It just doesn't look like a great spot to me. Like the Giants are doing this, forcing teams in the field goals, forcing much better teams in the field goal situations. I think that means that even if the Lions go for it, maybe the Lions can convert on fourth down, but the Giants are a good enough defense to stop better teams overall. So to me, I think in this spot, the Lions, a team that I wouldn't say completely unplayable, but if Amon Ross St. Brown can't get there, DeAndre Swift is getting his time cut into with both uh, Jefferson and also with Jamal Williams in that backfield. Really not a good spot for the Lions overall, and I think this one is not a good sign for them that they might be forced into kicking more field goals or just going for it and not getting it. 
Um, on the other side of the game, the Giants are going to be a key decision to make this week because Saquon Barkley is so high priced. But Detroit's defense is one of the most generous in the league with a .141 EPA allowed per play, a league low 13.3% three and out rate. That just means the Giants should be able to sustain drives. That means good things for Saquon Barkley. It does also mean good things for Daniel Jones. So maybe Pete Stack isn't that crazy, even if there isn't the strongest correlation between what Daniel Jones is doing and what Saquon Barkley is doing right now. But this spot to me, I think, is one where Saquon Barkley didn't quite get there last week, was still a very good play against Houston. Um, still did enough, I think, to make some winning lineups. But in this spot, I think this actually could be the ceiling game that people are looking for for him. So uh, to me, I think for the Giants, I would play Saquon Barkley. I would find ways to get money there. I think to me, you got to be with at least with the field on him this week, and if not, a little bit more. Does Carr's emotional crying spell tell us they are done or ready for a big comeback, or should Carr double up his meds? I look, Carr has been a not helpful part of this offense, I would say. Like, he's certainly not taking the Josh McDaniels principles well enough for if we are to believe that he's a good coach, which, you know, he was in, in New England, and I think you could certainly shit on whatever he did in Denver. But I think Carr, to me, has been just not able to do what Tom Brady did for McDaniels, and, you know, it's, it's hard to say that he should be able to do what Tom Brady did in that Patriots offense. But I just think the Raiders, to me, like, we're going to talk about the Raiders here. There's one really alarming stat for the Raiders this week in terms of what I'm expecting Devontae Adams to come down to earth. So I think it's really bad news for the Raiders. I think at a certain point, you just got to ask, why are you putting these guys out there um, if they are going to be so far down the division, no chance to win at all, and you're playing for a coach's job security when he apparently has all the job security in the world, even if they are bad. Josh McDaniels is a Ratatouille. He honestly might be a better coach if you were a Ratatouille. Uh, but I guess you could be saying that through the prism of him being the Ratatouille for the Patriots offense, which I think would be more viable based on what we've seen so far. Let's keep it going, though. Of course, more stats to get to here. And I might try this as an edited video moving forward, too, just because, you know, frankly, it'll flow a little better. And I don't have to try to feel like I have to take trade questions <laughs> in the middle of the stream. Uh, but we got Commanders and Texans coming up next year. Commanders, Washington's 9.5% missed tackle rate is one of the worst marks in the league. The 9.3% DVOA boost to running backs. This is something I talked about for the showdown earlier this week with Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson actually misses more tackles than uh, Antonio Gibson does, despite the popular conception that Antonio Gibson is a shaky back. He's actually been shaky in terms of his actual talent level this year. He's under a 10% missed tackle rate. Brian Robinson over 12.5% missed tackle rate. Going against Houston, that actually can mean big gains. That's part of why Houston's been so bad this year. They're bad against the run overall, but they're especially bad just defending guys from getting past them. <laughs> so that's something where Brian Robinson, I think he's starting to show a little more. His leg apparently has some health, obviously, with uh, the gunshot wound. It's been an issue for him, but his leg is getting closer to 100%. I think on that Monday night football broadcast, he said he felt like he was about 80 to 90% with the leg. He gets healthier. He gets better as he goes. This is a matchup for him to actually have that one outlier game. For best ball, I think Robinson looks good, but I think Robinson, guy just never comes up DFS-wise. Maybe he's a better play on FanDuel where you get that touchdown equity in the half-point PPR, but I think Robinson can be a play on DraftKings too. I'm actually going to have him, I would say, a decent amount this week, probably more than you should have Brian Robinson, just given what he's done so far this year. The Texans, Washington defense has a minus 0.137 EPA against the run and also a minus 19.6% rushing DVOA. It makes him one of the best run defenses in the league. So um, to me in this situation for the Texans, I think this is another fade Damian Pierce week. I saw in the stochastic projections, they're projecting for over 15% ownership again. I know people love Damian Pierce. I know people love the shiny new toy. I said it on Friday's show. I think Damian Pierce is a rookie of the year in terms of what he's done relative to how good the Texans team is, which is not good at all. But in this matchup, if people are going to play him, like just don't play guys when they're running into really tough matchups. That was the case for Pierce last week. Sure, he, he did well yardage-wise, didn't have the touchdown equity, didn't have the upside. I think it's going to be the same case for him this week, and if people want to keep going to these guys just because they are a buzzy name, let them go there, but I would say try your best to not go there yourself.
Panthers Ravens here start with the Panther side. Baltimore allows the top of the league 20.4, uh, 20.5 yards per attempt on throws of 20 plus yards. And also a 0.98 EPA on those plays as well. So this is a situation for the Panthers where Baker Mayfield's coming back in PJ Walker out with a high ankle sprain. Baker actually could have an outside an outlier day, an upside day. He could create some production for, you know, DJ Moore. The question is how much do you believe in Baker with what we saw from him earlier this year? Certainly didn't do enough to justify, I think, any sort of faith in him, whether it be from the team, whether it be from you guys fantasy-wise. And also the team total here, 15.5 implied points for Carolina. That said, I think it's worth taking some flyers on DJ Moore. It looks like the field will be there about 13% of the time. But I think a Baker stack, like, I, I would rather play Justin Fields at 99 times out of 100. But I think if you're playing a bunch of lineups like I will be, I would get some exposure to Baker Mayfield just because this is going to be a game script where they have to pass. Baker certainly can be terrible, but also the Ravens defense has been terrible for the most part. So in this spot, to me, I think this is one where I would really want to get a little bit of exposure to Baker Mayfield, a little bit of exposure to DJ Moore, and hope for the best. Oh, boy. This Shout out to the chat, by the way. Handling Parker's many trade questions. Parker's in there asking everything possible. I don't know what kind of trades you're trying to get, man. Like, just... Stop trying to trade Stevenson and Kirk. They're both good players. Keep your good players. Guys that you've got right in the draft, ride them out at this point. I don't know why you would try to make a move just to make a move for the most part. That's I've talked about that enough before, and it doesn't matter anyway. Um, let's pull up the Ravens side of the equation, though, and this is where it's going to get tough because I have so many slides up, and I, StreamYard is now not allowing me to post more. But here's the Ravens for you if they come. Nope. Ravens not coming up here. Great. Great. <laughs> When this video isn't live next week, this will be why. It'll be because StreamYard is trying to kill me by not allowing me to present the things that I want to present. Here's my face. Let's look at that for a second. And let me go over here and see if I can get it from my computer. Nothing better than doing a data show and having the data disappear right before your eyes. Mm -mm -mm. No, it just won't let me upload. There we go. All right, Ravens. <laughs> Carolina, a 12% boost in tight end production. This is actually an important one, so I'm glad that I went that extra mile to make sure I get the Ravens graphic on the screen. Um, Mark Andrews is in a really good spot if he goes. Isaiah Likely is also in a really good spot if he goes. Uh, but Carolina, 12% boost on tight end production, which is 24th in the NFL. They also give an 18% DVOA increase to opposing passers overall. To me, if Mark Andrews is in there, he's a great play in the Battle Royale format where you don't have Travis Kelsey on the slate. You also just have a lot of upside that we know Andrews can hit. He's coming off of an injury. If he has a Q tag on him, even better. But this spot to me is one where I think it's really important to make sure you get some Ravens exposure. I think it's really important to get some Mark Andrews exposure this week. I think he is the tight end play that we all are going to need and want this week. So that's one to me that I wanted to make sure to get on here as I now, now I have to upload every single slide manually. This is going to be a lot of fun for me, guys. <laughs> Hit the like button if you can, because this it's hard producing this shit, like in trying to make a show look good when you're entirely by yourself. So uh, help a brother out. <laughs> And please hit the like button uh, and subscribe to the channel so you can see the effort, the sweat equity I'm putting in here live on the stream. The Browns in the next game here. Buffalo gives up a 7% DVOA boost to wide receiver ones, 21st in the league. They're also top five defending all the other pass catchers. So they actually have been a funnel towards wide receiver ones. You might have heard me talk positively about Justin Jefferson on the stochastic streams as well as us last week. 
This spot to me means one where Amari Cooper, people think he only plays well on at home. He's the splits are really pronounced with how he's performed at home versus on the road. But in this matchup, they got to throw like you're going to have to throw against Buffalo. I don't think Cleveland's defense will be able to stop them. We'll see that in a second on the data point I have for that one. But Amari Cooper, the fact that people are just following some splits that might not matter. It's very small sample size stuff to do home road splits. The weather in this one is pretty gross as well. So that's one thing that certainly can temper the expectations, the hopes for upside for Amari Cooper. But if the weather is a little bit better than it seems right now, if it isn't a foot of snow, which I think is what the reports are currently for Cleveland and Buffalo, it's one to me where I think Amari Cooper could have some upside. And even still, like snow games affect both sides. It's one of those things that people sometimes sleep on. I've talked about this uh, this parable before that I'll recall from when Nick Foles once played in a snow game. Actually, it was two straight years where there were snow games for Eagles QBs. It was Mark Sanchez when he was the Eagles QB and then Nick Foles the next year. Both guys had outlier passing days in snow games just because the opposing defense suffers the same way. They have the same issues with traction. Sometimes it actually can be better for a wide receiver in the snow because you actually can juke guys more easily. A foot of snow is a whole different ball game, but that actually was in the Foles game in particular. It was a foot of snow. And this stuff happens from time to time. So NFL Network said two to three feet yeah you know it's a lot of snow <laughs> i'm not gonna argue that it's not a lot of snow but that said i think it is still worth sometimes playing these guys and hoping if the vegas total comes down exponentially if it ends up like a 15 you know 15 point drop and where you expect the total to be then yeah don't play the guys too enthusiastically but sometimes you just get a little bit of a taste in these guys in your dfs lineups i think you can actually have some upside and this spot to me i think amari cooper on paper looks like a good play snow aside two feet three feet whatever whatever amounts of snow there may be Let's talk about the Bills side of the equation, though, while I wait for the PDF to upload. <laughs> Tremendous fun for me, guys, to, to do the production here. This is the love. This is the love I put into the channel where I will upload PDFs and prepare 32 of them before a stream because that's how much I care. So smash that like button, guys. Weather just helps ownership is a good point. That, that said, though, there are extremes that weather can be tough. So I agree. Weather helps ownership. Anything that's sort of a specious thing that's not Vegas total related, that's not projection related, always helps ownership out. So that's something to keep in mind for sure. Parabola is a good song. Yes, it is. And a, and a great math term as well. Buffalo Bills. Cleveland's got a 0.139 EPA allowed to rushers, which is one of the worst in the league, along with 5.1 adjusted line yards per play. Adjusted line yards is a stat I've been looking at more closely over the last few weeks because I think there's a really strong correlation between rushing game plays you could have some confidence in and ones you shouldn't have any confidence in. We saw last week Devin Singletary get a lot more work, especially in the first half of that game. Josh Allen's elbow certainly not the best situation for him overall to throw the ball as many times. I mean, he threw the ball 40 times in that game so he's throwing the ball too much anyway but still they want to really they want to lean on the run if they can Devin Singletary showing a little bit of burst and again same thing here where like if you're trying to tackle Devin Singletary sure he's gonna have a tough time getting footing if it is snowy out there but if it's snowy they're also gonna have a hard time chasing him down and he is a shifty back so this is one that actually I think is pretty important to me I think Singletary's in a nice spot Singletary also just generally underplayed across the board uh, every time that he plays for the most part so for me I think Singletary a nice Bills play in a week where if you want to play the snow narrative i think you play singletary then and hope that they really do play it slow play it play it snow <laughs> and just run that ball out so let's talk about the raiders here the raiders are a team again that i think is really interesting uh now it's just me on the screen while i wait for this to upload hey here's me guys <laughs> oh it's not actually no it's not money time um las vegas raiders denver number two in the league of defending wide receiver ones a 38.4 percent decrease in production according to dvoa this to me means that 
you know, look, Devontae Adams can get there. He's a star receiver. And we've the upside we've seen from him where he gets 15, 17 targets in a game. A 38% decrease in production could still be a good day. That said, if you're chasing the ceiling game from him, I think that's a mistake. If you're chasing any sort of upside in this game, that could also be a mistake. But to me, Devontae Adams is one of those traps where the data says right now, this is a tough play to get to. This is one you should avoid. Talent wins out at the end of the day. Like the Chiefs can beat up on the Niners defense. The Niners defense is the best in the league by a wide margin. The Packers can get success against the Dallas defense that is really good on paper. And we're going to talk more about them in a second as well. But the Raiders, to me, if you see a matchup like this one, you also know Devontae Adams is going to potentially be chalky. I don't mind moving away from it. I don't mind taking less in the field. The talent can win out at the end of the day. This is a, a stock, like a really stark mark here. Minus 38.4% DVOA is no joke for a wide receiver one. And uh, I think a comparable team to be the Cardinals has also shut down everybody. But Denver doesn't get the cred, even though, you know, Sertain certainly gets some press out there. Uh, he's a guy that I think has done a really good job, and the numbers are certainly starting to show it for them overall. Let's see the Broncos on the screen. Vegas gives up a league high 0.234 EPA against drop packs, the 52.6% success rate. Russ himself, a minus 13.4% DVOA on the year at QB. Can he get there? I think it's a question you have to ask yourself. I don't know that he can. I, I think that's uh, something I've tried to target, tried to get there time and time again. It's also a low Vegas total game in this one as well. Uh, where's the Raiders at? Raiders are at, excuse me, the Broncos are at 22 point implied total. So it's not great on paper, but if there's ever going to be an outlier day for this Broncos offense, it's when you see some target concentration. Judy might not be playing though. Apparently the ankle injury wasn't as bad as it looked when he actually got hurt on the field, but they are in a spot where if Judy's out, you can see those targets really start going heavily towards Cortland Sutton, starting really heavily to go towards Greg, uh, Greg Dulcich in that spot as well. So to me, this is the week where I think you play Russ one more time. You hope he comes up in your projection systems. I wanted to play him last week and he straight up did not come up across all my crunches from the stochastic projections so keep that in mind here but i think this is this is russ's last shot guys this is where if he if he doesn't come through here i'm done i'm not going to tout him again i'm not going to mention him again but i think sutton yes sutton is in play sutton is a, a good play this week according to justin as well I feel strongly that this is the week to try to get Sutton, especially if Judy's not in there. And right now, Cortland Sutton projected for under 5% ownership, though I think Stochastic is assuming that Judy's going to get out there. If that ownership doesn't come up that highly. I'm willing to go to Sutton one more time. I'm willing to get hurt one more time because the Broncos want to pass. They're just not good. And if they're ever going to be good at it, this is the week to do it against a Raiders team that's losing talent and has also been egregiously bad overall. Let's get to the next slide, though. Where are we? We got the Bengals game coming up with the Steelers as we upload this slide in here again as well. There we go. Joe Burrow, 71% of the yards allowed by Pittsburgh this year has been through passing. 78.3% of their touchdowns allowed also through passing. This is a week where I have some concerns about T Higgins. Like I really went into the season thinking he was going to be the exact same guy that Jamar Chase was. I thought they were going to alternate weeks and be kind of like co-wide receiver ones. I've not felt that way as the year has gone on. And certainly Higgins has had some tough, like, you know, I think he lost his dad at the beginning of the season was what kept him out of some practice in week one. He's had the injuries as well. This is a week to do it though. Like DVOA wise, the Steelers don't give up like a meaningful increase in production of wide receiver ones. But in terms of just pure production allowed, the Bengals, they love to pass and the Steelers love to give up passing production. So if there's ever going to be a week that this Bengals stack hits without Jamar Chase, this is probably it. That said, you know, Tyler Boyd, I think coming back to Pittsburgh, he is a Pittsburgh guy. So there's narrative going there and he's certainly as live of a play as C. Higgins. But a Higgins-Boyd double stack, Hayden Hurst in the mix, I don't mind going to a bunch of Bengals this week. Even though to me, again, on paper, Justin Fields is the best play across the board and the one that's really the only QB priority play, even though some of these guys, the Russell Wilson's of the world, the Joe Burrows, even the Baker Mayfield's, 
I think you play a little bit there, but to me, this is a fields make or break week, um, even though he is going to be dangerously chalky. On the Steelers side, so again, I called all these stats. I went through, poured through everything to find some interesting nuggets for you guys in terms of each individual matchup. Uh, so this is the best stat I could give you for the Steelers going against the Bengals. The Bengals allow field goals in 23.2% of their drives, which is one of the highest rates in the league. The Bengals stop pretty much everything for the most part. They actually are a pretty good defense. But boy, big Matthew Wright league. <laughs> week big big kicker week for you guys so all you guys asking season-long questions don't worry about your Ramondre christian kirk trades don't worry about big trev here asking dpj or tony for ppr and i think i would go tony's way for that one um especially given the weather that we talked about big trev play matthew right just lock him in <laughs> Getting Matthew right at kicker. And if you're playing DFS anywhere that has kickers, don't play on that site anymore. But it's an ugly game for the Steelers. Maybe they can get there a little bit more. I think there are some signs of life with the target concentration for Deontay Johnson and George Pickens with no Chase Claypool there now. But you got a split backfield. You got a lot of a real lack of talent here. Again, besides Matthew Wright, who we know is the alpha play <laughs> across the board. Cowboys coming up on the screen in a moment here. Oh boy, I wish StreamYard would help me out. There we go, StreamYard. Thank you. Cowboys going against Minnesota. Minnesota allows a touchdown 72% of the time that opponents are in the red zone, while Dallas is seventh in the league with a 65.4% uh, red zone touchdown rate. If Ezekiel Elliott makes it into this game, he is going to vulture some Tony Pollard touchdowns. That is my proclamation. That's what I thought would happen last week. If Tony Pollard, though, gets an un encumbered run once again, if Ezekiel Elliott can't make it out there, I think Tony Pollard's a smash play in this spot. Minnesota's a team that I think, you know, certainly going to have some public steam going their way, I think, after the showing they had going against buffalo but this spot to me looks like a nice one for the cowboys and one where i actually have a little more faith i think going the cowboys way in terms of their plays and part of the logic for that one is i think there's gonna be a lot of ownership going justin jefferson's way and i actually don't think this is a great justin jefferson matchup of course the cowboys pass defense on the year has been pretty good but once this graphic loads guys ooh, i'm gonna wow you Dallas allows just a 21% completion rate on passes of 20 plus yards a minus two point uh, minus 0.24 epa allowed on those deep passes as well this is why, frankly, the Christian Watson game was such a shocker. Dallas has been really good defensively. Like, and, and, you know, the Packers have been so bad offensively that it really didn't make sense. But here, you know, going in, you know, the Vikings are not going to be taken lightly. You know, Justin Jefferson's not going to be taken lightly on this week where things are just so crazy. Our things are really, he's got the spotlight on more than he's ever had in his career where people are typing him up as the top receiver in the league. I think we all thought that anyway. But I think in the spot to me, like Jefferson, I think it's hard for me to imagine hitting his ceiling here just because what you have to stop here, you have to stop Justin Jefferson. What don't you have to stop? Adam Thielen. What don't you have to stop? TJ Hawkinson. I think those guys can get away with a little bit more here. Jefferson is so good. Like, I think he still puts up like nine for 90 in the spot and comfortably maybe can even get a touchdown out of it. But with where his price tag is, I'd rather spend up for Saquon Barkley. I'd rather spend up or go different ways at wide receiver. I'd rather pay down a little bit and try to get that Bengal stack. Um, I'd rather try to get some Bears receivers right if we can do that. I think this is a trap spot. And if people are going to go flocking to Jefferson after the one big game, I'm perfectly comfortable moving away from it, even though dangerous upside for him. Just get those points in best ball. I guess is the best way to ask for it. That pick of Zeke says it all. I think this is actually one of the few I took from Wikipedia, but yeah, Zeke smugly standing there knowing he's just going to vulture touchdowns away from the guy we actually want to see do well in Tony Pollard. Uh, Dallas versus Minnesota could explode. That is true. I just don't think it explodes with Justin Jefferson personally. Like, I agree there should be some scoring here. The Vikings defense, again, not that great overall. But the Cowboys defense is good, and I think people may forget that because they did give up this production against the Packers, but that's a, that's a rarity. That doesn't happen a lot, and it hasn't happened a lot for the Cowboys. And maybe it's a sign of what's going to come. I don't know that. But I think, to me, I think the Cowboys bounce back this week. And honestly, I think they're live to win this one outright.
but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs, we're on to Sunday Night Football. Our last two games here, we're now off the main slate. And guys, again, hit the like button if you're just tuning in. I appreciate it a bunch. Trying to build this channel up. Doing shows Monday through Thursday at 2 p.m. So come hang out with me, and I will promise you, every single show, I will outwork anybody else out there on YouTube streams. Might not be as charming as it is with me and Pete. I get that. Might not be as silly as when I'm getting hammered on a stream doing basketball drafts. That said... I'm fucking putting in the work data-wise, and I think it's shown for my DFS results, and I hope it will add some value to what you guys are doing as well. Kansas City, though. The Chargers... Oh, I didn't put the team name in for Kansas City. I think there's the one team... <laughs> I didn't put the team in on the graphic. Either way, though, the Chargers are weakest against the run, a 5.9% DVOA increase to imposing rushers, 0.053 rushing EPA allowed, 45.1% success rate. Point being, this actually could be an Isaiah Pacheco day. He finally seizes the backfield away from CEH. CEH, a total non-factor last week. Uh, maybe that doesn't hold up. Maybe CEH starts to work in a little bit more. But for whatever reason, they have completely soured on that guy, and they love Pacheco, even though Pacheco's shown absolutely nothing. This could be the week he shows something. This is also a way, again, it's Sunday night football. That's going to be a showdown slate. So big money up top. Play Pacheco at captain and see if you could luck into it. Play Pacheco at least in some lineups because he's probably not going to be that highly owned. I think it's a nice spot to get to Pacheco this week on paper. The Chargers, we've seen teams have a lot of success. Nick Chubb did well against them. Like a lot of guys who are good running backs have done well. Can Pacheco be a good running back? I don't know that I have the faith in it, but on paper, it does look like a really nice spot to give him that shot and see if he could do it for you, especially in a showdown format where we're willing to play shitty players. Isaiah Pacheco, I think, qualifies. <laughs> right now at least from my perspective chargers coming up next year the chiefs give up a touchdown on 70 percent of their red zone trips and a lofty 9.1 percent touchdown rate and a 0.59 epa on throws of 20 plus yards so mike williams keenan allen back in practice though it does feel like it's early for mike williams to be back keenan allen certainly can be back the point being though there should be touchdowns to go around for the chargers especially if the offense could be just a little better by having these guys in the stud pass catchers in who haven't been there the last few weeks so this spot to me is one where i don't mind playing chargers offense i think the chargers offense is actually in a pretty nice spot and i think this is one too where home game la crowd certainly you're going to find a lot of chiefs in that crowd for the chargers as well but this spot to them is one where like they should be able to rise to the occasion and if you get that talent in at receiver you get a keenan allen or mike williams back or you get both back i think this actually could be a really high upside spot and obviously austin eckler will rise with that tide herbert will rise with that tired if you do see williams and allen out then maybe you have a little bit less confidence but pretty good josh palmer spot pretty good eckler spot on paper I hear Tout saying Justin Jefferson is a matchup-proof player. Bill's secondary was injured. I mean, they are injured, but also I talked about it yesterday. Like, they're having some issues getting Tredavious White back on the field and to the point where Sean McDermott was saying, like, oh, yeah, it's a combination of the physical and the mental stuff. He doesn't want to get back out there. I don't think they're going to shore up that wide receiver one weakness until they get Tredavious White back out there. And once he's back out there, if he's full speed, like, he is a shut, as shut down on the corner as you have in the entire league. So I think to me, like I said before the week that I thought Jefferson was going to have a good spot. They just haven't defended wide receiver ones well for whatever reason. Uh, but moving forward, I think the Bills could certainly quiet that one if they do get uh, they do get Tredavious White back out there. Nate saying, look at that lettuce. I have to say, this is a handsome photo of Justin Herbert. I think we can all, like, I'll, let's go full screen for Justin Herbert on this one. Look at that hair. Just magnificent hair. He's one of those guys who came into the league a little bit ugly. And I feel like as he's gotten more money. <laughs> got more fame starting to look like a pure heartthrob out there and that's the kind of quarterback you want to root for the one that would appear as a, a qb in varsity blues or some other teen football movie uh monday night football last game to talk about here we got the niners coming up on the screen in a moment boom 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 
So Arizona, 52.8% drop back success rate. It's actually bottom of the league. Arizona really bad at defending the pass, but weirdly, they absolutely obliterate wide receiver ones. 36 or 38.4% DVOA, uh, DVOA decrease to production for wide receiver ones. We've seen them shut down Cooper Cup. We've seen them shut down Devontae Adams. We've seen them injure Cooper Cup and shut him down that last time out. This spot is one where like the wide receiver one, I think is Debo and Debo's already getting shut down enough. So maybe it doesn't matter, but it does seem like it's a situation where you could expect Jimmy G to have some success and maybe you could have him have that success. Perriman showdown lineups on Monday with Christian McCaffrey, Perriman showdown lineups with George Kittle, Perriman showdown lineups with Brandon A. You can hope that they just really concentrate the defense going against Debo Samuel because that's been the way Arizona's played all season long. It's not a sexy spot. Targeting Jimmy Garoppolo is never the most fun thing, but it's something where when we get to that Monday showdown build show where I'll be doing here again 2 p.m. on Monday, like I will build lineups and I will be confidently forcing in Jimmy Garoppolo more than I normally would just because on paper it's a really good matchup, but one where there's a little bit of an edge because people will play Garoppolo with the wide receiver one, and if they don't get there, like the wide receiver one doesn't get there and it is Debo, um, it could be a spot where Garoppolo actually does have a captain performance but spreads it out to guys that would be unexpected. Uh, so that's an important one to keep in mind. And our last slide here before I hop off, and of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Building showdown lineups here. Money time will be back in the house, and I will show you guys exactly how I build lineups and the advantages that I am seeing on a given slate. This one here, the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football. San Francisco allows an NFL low 40.3% success rate. They're only weak spots against 20-plus yard passes of 1.06 EPA allowed. It's actually a really bad number overall, which is kind of surprising. The Niners have had some secondary issues throughout the year, some injuries back there. And certainly, too, like it could be a thing of desperation where the Niners defense shuts down every other spot in the field. How do you get any success? You just try to embrace volatility and take some deep ball shots. But it's one where I think if Colt McCoy is playing, if Kyler Murray is playing, um, you really got to, I think, target some of these guys and hope that you can hit on a, on a Hopkins maybe. Uh, certainly people will be less inclined to play Hopkins against the Niners defense. That in terms of DVP, people will look look at that like a god of the casual still look obsessively at dvp and they'll go oh you never mind like this defense is good i don't want to play a receiver play a receiver against uh san francisco and hope you can hit on it i think is the way to approach that one but of course we'll talk about that as we get closer to monday Oh, having that sweet pillow talk with Taylor Biscotti. Yeah, I mean, look, Justin Herbert, a man in L.A., you got to expect him to be doing well for himself. All right, I got to cut myself off here, guys, because I was trying to keep this at 30 minutes and then still didn't happen. But, guys, again, smash that like button, please. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment if you're watching after the fact. Please do that for me here because I'm trying my best to build this channel up into something worthwhile. Of course, tomorrow I'll be back doing the showdown builds here. Literally, we'll be showing you the exact same things I do every single time I'm building showdown lineups. I've had a lot of success with that this year. So hopefully you guys can come along with the ride for me on that one. But I appreciate each and every one of you hanging out. Please make sure to follow me at Chris Bags. Follow this show at Splash Play Pod. And of course, like the video, leave a comment, and subscribe down below. And uh, come back tomorrow, guys, 2 p.m. again. I hope this added some value to your process. And if not, then fuck me. <laughs> I'll see you guys tomorrow. Enjoy your nights and good luck. Mm -hmm.